Toombug, Chapter 7. Next day, we're out on the playground during recess when I see the reading teacher pull up in her red car and get out with her big canvas bag. I go running over to the fence. Hey, Miss Robinson, I yell. She gives me a big smile. How are you, she asks. I'm all right. I start to turn around. Wait a second, she says. I have something I want to give you. For my birthday? When's your birthday? Next week. She reaches into her bag and pulls out the poetry book that we started. She hands it to me. I know we didn't get very far, but maybe you can finish it on your own. And you can remember the fun we had. She comes through the opening in the fence and starts to walk with me toward the school. The end of recess bell rings. I bet I'm going to be late. You like writing poems? I ask. Yes, I like thinking about things and writing down what I think. It makes me feel free, like when we wrote the poem about the pine cone. Is that what you do all the time? Write poems? She laughs. That would be nice. I better hurry up, I say. Me too, she says. Bye, Junebug. She runs up the front steps with her canvas bag. The heavy school door closes behind her as she disappears. I sink down on the steps, about to cry. Instead of going back to my classroom, I turn around and walk home. Tears in my eyes make the glass in the gutter sparkle like diamonds. I wander slowly all the way home, kicking stray pebbles. My stomach is knotted up inside. There's too much going on. Darnell leaving and Jolita and Mama having an argument and the library closing, and I hate all of it. It's the middle of the morning. The project's quiet this time of day. The kids are at school. Other people are at work, and the party crowd is still sleeping. I wonder if Aunt Jolita is asleep. Probably. I go around back and sit up against the wall where it's sunny. I lay the poetry book down on my lap and stretch my legs out. Why do people giving why do people keep giving me empty stuff? Empty hole, empty book. Upstairs I have a pile of empty bottles, each one waiting for a slip of paper and my birthday wish. I have another wish too. I wish I had a magic carpet. I'd fly right up and over that wrecked gun factory past the broken windows, over the ugly roof, on the other side. I bet there's, I don't know. What did that teacher say? Let your mind go free. Sounds like a song on an album Mama has. Aretha Franklin, she has a voice that goes free, soaring up high like a kite, like the top of a roller coaster ride. If I let my thoughts go free, they're going to run smack into the ugly wall of the gun factory or smack into Aunt Jolita or into that metal door where the library used to be locked up. That's what I am, locked up in Never Never Land. And who's got the key? I don't know. So why don't I make a third wish? Why not? It's not going to cost me anything. I open the little poem book and write, I wish I wasn't locked up. I remember that the worst thing of all yesterday was looking at my mama and thinking maybe she was going to give up. Giving up's the worst. That's why Trevor got himself a gun, because he already gave up trying to be himself. All he can do is go with a gang. Going with a gang is giving up. I swear I won't ever do it. I swear. I get to my feet, but what am I going to do instead? I look at my scraggly little writing in the poetry book. I wish I could have shown my bottles to the reading teacher. I was thinking maybe she and Darnell could have come to my party. 
but I guess now, for sure, I won't have one. I unlock the door to the apartment, and there she is. Well, what did I expect? It's big old nasty Aunt Jolita as usual. Her hair in rollers, big slippers on her feet, smelly old coffee cup all stained in her hand. But instead of using her grouchy voice, she says kind of soft, What's up, Junebug? What are you doing home this early? Nothing. Got a stomach ache. I drop the poetry book on the floor. Are you sick? Jolita asks. I'm not really sick, but I'm not my usual Junebug self, not by a long shot. Nah, maybe. I flop down sideways on the sofa, my stomach hanging over the armrest, head on the cushions, feet on the floor. Jolita goes off to call the school and tell them I don't feel well. Then she comes over to the sofa. Come on, sit by me. She pats the sofa next to herself. I don't want to sit by her, but I pull myself up all reluctant and drop down in the seat next to her anyway. What's this? She picks up my book and flips through it. Supposed to be poems and wishes, but it ain't. She reads the first page. She reads how Tasha wants to be a ballerina twirling on the stage. Tasha wants to be a dancer, she asks, surprised. Yeah, why didn't she tell me that? I shrug. How come you never asked her? You know what, Junebug? Aunt Jolita sits forward, bright-eyed, and looks at me. I used to want to be a dancer, too, when I was little. Yeah, maybe that's how, how come you go to parties all the time. Maybe, she says. I never thought of that. You know, you're a smart boy. Can't get smart with the library all locked up, I say, looking right at her. She doesn't answer. How come you're friends with that dumb Georgina anyway? If she hadn't started that fight with Evie, they might not have closed the library. Oh, Junebug, seems like fights around here just happen every so often. It doesn't much matter who starts them. People just get mad. They've had enough of this place. You know that feeling. Yeah, I do, I say, but I don't bite anybody. I wonder how come Jolita and I are talking like this. It must be because of the wishes. Maybe they make people brave. What else did you wish for? I ask, feeling more like Junebug again. I wanted to be a movie star. She drinks some coffee and looks at me over the top of the cup to see if I'm laughing at her. Then how come you aren't one, I ask. She shrugs and puts the cup down. Didn't know how, I guess. Then she stands up. I have to get dressed now. She takes her things into the bathroom. I don't get it. Doesn't she care anymore? Doesn't she care that she's not a movie star? I go into my bedroom and stand there a minute. My bottles are lined up in a long winding line like a glass snake. Time for me to write some notes. It's not much longer before the launching. I sit down and start to write. To whom it may concern. My name is Reeve McLean Jr. And for my birthday, I wish I would like to sail a boat. You can find me at 686 Auburn Terrace, New Haven, Connecticut, USA. I have to write that 50 times because I'm going to launch 50 bottles. And sure as heck, somebody has to find one of them. That night at supper, Aunt Jolita is acting bossy and superior the way she usually does. I'm sitting on the sofa with my magazines, watching her rush around. She tries on one set of earrings after another. She puts on some big, round, plastic white ones. They look fine. She looks in the bathroom mirror, then yanks them off and storms over to her jewelry box on Mama's dresser. She grabs some gold hoops and puts those on. They look fine, too. What's the big deal? Then I start thinking. She sure has a lot of earrings, considering she has no job or anything. Tasha, would you mind? She says. 
Why do you have to have your dolls under here? Tasha's got a bunch of her stuffed toys under the dresser, camping out or on a field trip or something. Jolita bends over and takes her shoe and sweeps them all out of there. Tasha doesn't pick them up. She leaves them in a pile in the middle of the floor and goes to sit in the rocking chair. Mama got home late and is too tired to make anything special for dinner, so she's opening a can of baked beans. That's okay with me. I like baked beans. I put a ton of ketchup on them. Now Jolita's fussing with her hair. Her hair's fine. It's herself that isn't. She's in my bedroom using the hairdryer when she yells at me, Junebug, these bottles are driving me nuts. Get them out of here. I hear her kick a couple. They clank when they fall down and knock together. She better not break any, that's for sure, or I'll get Darnell to... Oh, no, I won't either. I forgot. Who are you going out with? Mama calls out from the kitchen. Excuse me? Jolita comes out of my bedroom, holding the hairdryer, the plug dangling. She gives Mama a look that says, no way she's going to answer that. Come on, mutters Mama to us, ignoring Jolita. Time to eat. She slaps those plates down in front of us, baked beans and another hot dog, carrot sticks. She moves us into the kitchen, her back stiff. I can tell she's angry. Tasha and I keep our heads down low to eat, staying out of trouble. We finish fast and start scraping those plates. After I help with the dishes, I lie on the sofa with my sailing magazines, looking at them. The water's so blue in the ads, you can hardly believe it. Foam curves back from the bows, crisp and aqua. My favorite is a picture of boats with big, colorful, balloony sails out front. Spinnakers. They look like clouds of rainbows puffed out. On the back pages are ads for catalogs that sell boat, boat building plans. Someday I might send away for some plans, but it costs $300 just for the catalog. So I haven't decided yet. There's someone banging on the door. Aunt Jolita unbolts all the locks and yanks it open. There's that same man, the guy with the Mercedes and the radar vision, with his gloves, hat, and big dark glasses. His teeth gleam at Jolita. He's sleek as a wild animal. You ready? He asks, smooth voice. Mama rushes over to Jolita. Just where do you think you're going? She asks loudly. None of your business, girl, says Aunt Jolita. No one calls Mama girl like that and gets away with it. Aunt Jolita brushes by Mama, wearing her red sequin top, black tight pants, gold hoops, high heels, clicking. Excuse me a minute, Mama says to the man. We need to talk. She takes Jolita's arm, but Jolita yanks her arm away, all her bracelets jangle. The radar man isn't smiling now. Looks like he's going to give Mama about 10 seconds, and that's all. Mama starts to say th something, but Jolita pushes past her and rushes out the door to the landing. She hurries down the stairs. The man takes Mama's arm and starts to shove her back into the living room. Jolita, Mama calls out, twisting away, free of his grasp. She runs out on the landing, but the man, the man grabs her again. He won't let go this time. Mama twists her arm hard and pulls free with a jerk. Then she gives a little cry, and she trips and tumbles backward down the stairs. I can't see her anymore. The man leaves, his shiny black shoes tapping down the cement stairs real fast. I hear a door close. Jolita and the man are gone. Mama, I yell out. She's lying in a heap at the bottom of the next landing. 
She doesn't answer at all. I fly down the steps, my knees shaking. I'm crying a little high-pitched whimper. I touch her. She's warm and soft, same as always, but she's too soft. Her arm lies there limp. Mama? Tasha is crouching behind me, grabbing hold of my t-shirt. Mama's just lying there as if she's had enough. She can't be bothered to try anymore. She gave up and went away someplace and left us behind, alone. But she can't give up. I won't let her. I run upstairs to the phone to call the ambulance. Tasha stays on the landing by Mama, her eyes round and her mouth tiny. I call the ambulance and the police too, but they say they have a busy night and it's going to be a while. Then I have to tell Tasha to go get Harriet Ames, Mama's friend, by herself, because I have to run out in front of the building to show the ambulance where to go. I'm shivering with cold out there in the dark with just my t-shirt and no jacket. The wind's blowing right in my in under my shirt. I'm shivering so bad that my teeth are chattering and my body's jerking from side to side. And it's May. Not really that cold, but I am. I'm freezing. And it seems that the ambulance won't ever come. I hate to leave Mama up there on the floor like that. I hope she won't wake up and find nobody there to help. They gotta hurry. Those rescue people have to get here soon. It seems like forever. But finally they come and lay Mama flat on the stretcher. Her eyes flicker open a bit. But she doesn't say anything. And she has to go in the ambulance all alone. She's pushed in on the stretcher. And then the two big doors are shut tight. I hope they're shut tight. I hope she can't roll out the back. Then she'd be lost forever. I forget what hospital they say she'll be at. I keep nodding and crying and the rescue people think I understand, but I don't. I stand out in the wide cement place and watch the red flashing lights of the ambulance pull away in the dark with my mama. I never before felt such a big hole inside. Never. <laughs>